Merry Christmas, creepies! Happy holidays, horror fans! We are coming at you. Well, it's not Christmas quite yet for us, but uh, it's Christmas for you guys. Well, if you're listening on the day this came out, it's Christmas. <laughs> Which we're going to assume that many of you are not. Right. You're probably busy, you know, doing Christmas things. Getting presents. Yeah. You probably aren't listening to crime podcasts, but if you are, we love that for your Christmas. But if you're like my boss... He's not listening, right? He doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. You probably have to go back to work the next day, so you can listen to it on your commute. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. So it comes out perfect timing, okay? <laughs> but hopefully you guys, if you're listening to this after Christmas, hopefully you had a really good holiday, got to relax, you know, spend time with family, friends, whatever your traditions are. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Who are you kidding? Everybody's tired. Facts. Everyone's like, shut the hell up. We're ready for this to be over. And we got to do it again in a week for New Year's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Holidays, you know, fun, but stressful. Shout out, you know, Dax. What's up? Merry Christmas. We're still waiting for you to hit us up. The emails have been sent. Yes. They just haven't been received yet. That's just like the second part that needs to happen. They just need to be received. Yeah, I, you know, I'm... I got, like, this piece of paper, like, saying no contact order. I don't know what that means. What? <laughs> what does that even mean? He's just joking Something around. like a restraining order or something? <laughs> like, we said his name too many times? Like... He's just, you know him, Dax. He's just joking. <laughs> so, tonight we are sponsoring Cupcake Red Velvet Wine. Only because we want to and not because we're getting paid to. <clears throat> We're personally sponsoring it ourselves because we personally <laughs> do sponsor all ourselves. our wines. <laughs> we do everything ourselves. <laughs> We're independent ladies, okay? But, I mean, listen, if any of you wine companies are listening, feel free if you want to sponsor us. We are definitely not against it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so for this episode, kind of, I was looking into Christmas themed crimes themed i don't know if themed is a good word but christmas crimes you know just to stick on the uh holiday express (laughs) but you know darker turn so we will be talking about the dallas christmas killings this episode and don't get confused by the word express this is not the polar express very different uh train we're gonna be on tonight okay not as cheerful, not as bright, not as positive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, as we all know, we kind of were talking about this in the beginning too, you know. Christmas is supposed to be, you know, like the happiest time of year. You got the lights, gifts, family, just like a great feeling overall. But obviously, with the holidays comes a lot of stress. Um, and for some people it can just feel completely overwhelming, which is completely understandable. It, it is a stressful time of year along with the magical side of things too. Um, so the, this story kind of falls under the more stressful side, um, but like, like on steroids, you know, not just your typical stressful Christmas. This is kind of next level uh, Christmas stuff. So, this sad holiday story revolves around a man named Azizola Bob Yazidampan. Oh shit, you went for it with the name. I <laughs> I really hope that I completely pronounced that correctly. I tried my best. Um, but yeah, it surrounds him and his family. Um, now, to make it easier, he typically was either addressed by people as Aziz or Bob. So for this episode, we're going to stick with Bob. We're going to go with Bob. Um, so What about Bob? What about Bob? Oh, well, let me tell you about <laughs> Bob. So Bob was a 56-year-old man from Dallas, Texas. He, uh, with his family, kind of owned a popular ranch in the Dallas area. He was kind of like um, part of running it, but his brother-in-law was like the official owner of it. Um, And he was very well-known in the Iranian-American community. 
Um, now, Bob was part of a family of four who, they technically lived in Colleyville, Texas, which is just a suburb of Dallas, um, and it's kind of like a, a pretty upskill area, a little, little fancier side of Dallas, Texas. So Bob was born in Iran, and he worked in mortgages in that business until about 2007. He sometimes volunteered at the high school nearby as a debate coach as well. You know, people saw him as like a really great guy who was not only highly involved in his family, but in his community as well. So he was, you know, pretty well known and respected by the whole community. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> now, Bob's wife, she was 55-year-old Fatima, um, who was called Nazrin. She was also born in Iran, and she was working in Texas with her cosmetology license that she worked really hard to get um, when she came to the country. So they also had a 19-year-old daughter named Nona, she worked at a Sam's Club nearby their home, and she had a goal of hopefully eventually going to college in California. Um, she really wanted to become a lawyer. And they also had a 15-year-old son named Ali. He was very, very close to his mom and his sister. They all seemed to be like a very tight-knit family very goal-oriented, smart, educated individuals um, who just seem to be, you know, headed in a really great path. So the mom, Nazrin, she also had a sister and a brother. Her sister's name was Zeray. Um, she was also in the United States, living near her in Texas. And then she had a brother who was working in London as a pretty successful doctor. Nazarin and her sister, Zeray, they had a really close relationship and their families spent a ton of time together. Like actually most of their time was spent together. Zeray was married to a man named Mohammed who also became very, very close with Bob as well. So basically, they were like two separate families, but they were conjoined into one very close, tight-knit family um, because they just were constantly together and spending all their time, you know, as one, basically. Both families were well-known and respected in the community, um, again, particularly in the Iranian community of their area. Um, now, Zeray and Mohammed also had a 22-year-old daughter named Sora, she was a college student at the University of Texas, and she was kind of involved in the sorority life of college. Sora studied biology, and she really wanted to become a pediatrician. So yeah, both families, you know, they were just very well-liked and well-educated individuals. The families were so close that the three cousins were more like siblings than just cousins, and they even referred to themselves as brothers and sisters just because of how close they were. So at the popular dude ranch that they owned, there was always like a lot of events and fun things being held there. It was kind of like a big, a big place people would have parties or events, um, just a fun time for people to go and it was really well known in that area. The family even hosted an annual Christmas Eve party at this dude ranch event center. Um, and of course their whole family would attend, but a lot of other people who come and attend to enjoy the party as well. Um, it was really well known and a lot of people just like to come out and have a good time there. So we know Bob's family was extremely close with each other. Um, however, a little tiff kind of began to form between Bob and the rest of the family when he and his wife, Nazrin, began having some marital issues. Oh. Yeah. So apparently for years they had this like deep issue in their marriage and I guess everyone in the family knew about it and... Basically, it was like the entire family versus Bob. So he was kind of like 
on his own side, and then everybody else was, like, on Nazarin's side. They were all pretty much in agreement that Bob was the issue in their marriage. So taking this back to 1996, Bob had been put on three years probation and fined $30,000 for filing a false income tax return. Um, which I guess if you equate that to today, um, the fine amount would be almost $50,000, which definitely, you know, is not a small amount um, of a hit for that family to take. It definitely took a toll on them. Um, and three years later, the couple filed for joint bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> and kind of the kicker is, you know, they're, they're struggling financially. They clearly needed extra money at this point. Um, after that like big financial hit that they took but Bob forbid Nazarin to be able to work so if you remember Nazarin worked really hard and she has her cosmetology license you know she could be making bank building up clientele and like do working in different areas whether it's skin care makeup hair care you know or all of the above she could be making them a lot of money but he still refused and he would not let her work at all which is like Ugh. controlling much, right? Yes. I, I can't stand it. Yeah, it's like how stubborn can you be? You know, you your family clearly needs this money, but your pride is like getting in the way where you won't let her work because I don't know if it makes him feel like less of a man or if it was hitting some insecurity or what it was. Having jealousy issues. Yeah. Now, in 2007, the real estate market slowed down significantly, which in turn caused Bob to be out of work since, you know, he worked in the mortgage game. So at this point, Bob felt like they were financially drowning and there was no other option than to resort to let Nazarin get a job. Um, you know, like that's the last possible option. Like that, that would be the worst option ever is to like let her work. Um, so at this point, you know, they were really in a tight spot. So he, he had no choice but to like have her get a job as well. And the funny thing is at this point, Bob just like stopped trying. He's like, oh, I can't work in real estate anymore. So I'm not even going to work. And she can start working and making the money. Like, he could have gotten another job, too, you know? He did, like, a complete 180 from, like, being like, no, you can't work at all, to you're the one that's going to work, and I, I'm not going to do anything. You go make all the monies, and I'm just going to stay home. Exactly. Like, what a complete flip. And neither options are, like, nice of him, you know? Like, he goes from one extreme to the other. Which I've never heard anybody, okay, I take that back, I heard people acting like this, but I don't understand why people are like, oh my god, why would you want to bring more income into our household? That's just terrible. Like, it has to be, it has to be insecurity. Like, And cosmetology, I'm sorry, but that's hard work to get it, because they got to go six days a week, like nine to five, and... You got to get your hours in and you have to be dedicated to do it. Like Oh, for sure. And, and you have to build up a clientele. Like you don't just like automatically come out like, "Oh, I can make bank." You have to like slowly work hard to like build up. And a lot of people even do like interns in salons to try to get that extra before they go and take their own booth somewhere. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so he was just he was just being ridiculous, honestly. So once Nazarin started working, she got two jobs at two different spas while Bob was still unemployed. She also filed for bankruptcy in 2010 with the hope in mind that she could save their house that they had lived in for over 10 years. They were struggling to keep up with their house and all of their payments and their utilities would often be turned off due to the lack of payments made by the couple. So she's like working her ass off, working two jobs, trying to just keep their house that their family has lived in for 10 years. And he's still 
just not doing anything. And their their utilities are getting turned off, you know, their water, their lights, all of that. Neighbors even said every year that the family would always go all out with Christmas decorations and lights around their house. But this particular year in 2010 that the bankruptcy was going on, uh, they had nothing and their like lights were all off because they were just, you know, going through this really, really sad and stressful time financially. Can't even like imagine just being like, whew, okay, so we got electricity for three weeks. We just got to get money to make the next, like. It's so sad. You and know. I can't imagine the amount of, like, like overwhelming stress that that has to put on them. Especially if it's because your partner just won't work. Not because they can't work. It's because I just, fine, you want to work, you do it. It's like being petty. Yeah, that's what I don't understand is, like, he could have even got a job at McDonald's. Like, who cares? Like, it would be some sort of extra income, you know what I mean? Like, for him to just be, like, stubborn and be like, well, if I can't work in mortgages then I'm not going to work at all. Like, when your family is struggling so hard, like, get up and do something. So while this was happening, Bob became even more distant from the family because, you know, they were even more so, like, side-eyeing him for making her work two jobs twice as hard and be the one financially responsible for the family while they were struggling and he wasn't working, you know? Um... I think that he kind of felt probably ashamed um, and they weren't afraid of kind of letting him know how they felt about the situation as well. He particularly had an issue with Nazarene's sister Zaray. Bob felt like Zaray had this like control over Nazarene's mind and opinions um, and he was definitely not her biggest fan at this point. According to a source, Bob and Zaray's husband, Mohammed, they would often leave and take, quote, business trips. Now, I say, quote, for the business trips um, because they were actually lying to their wives and they would get hotel rooms and get sex workers. Ew. Yeah, gross. Like, and they would take these trips pretty often, too. Which is just so insane. Like, dude, your family is sinking financially so deep. You're not working. Your wife is working two jobs. You have utilities being turned off in your house and possibly losing your entire house. But yeah, let's go take trips and spend money on hookers. That sounds like the best solution, right? And I, I always, I wonder too, like, what they said these business trips were. You know, if they were, like, saying they were, like, trying to get some type of business or what was going on. But the fact that they would just use this as a cover-up and then he would actually spend the little amount of money that they had that they needed on this is just disgusting. I thought I had it, babe. I went big on black and, oh, I just went on red. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. I was just going to make a joke, like, I thought the girls were talking to us just to be our friend, but then all of a sudden they hit us with a tab at the end of the night. Like, <laughs> they were, I thought they were, like, trying to be our business partners. <laughs> so during this time period, at some point, Mohammed fessed up to his wife, Zara, about what Bob was actually doing during these trips. But... Mohammed made himself look good, and he didn't say that he was a part of it, too. He was saying that it was just Bob getting these sex workers while they went out of town. But And what I'm thinking is, like, she probably was on to him or something. I don't know if she, maybe she, like, saw a weird text or phone number or receipt or something and was questioning him. So that he probably felt like he was, like, in a corner, like, panicked and was like, It's Bob! Bob's doing all this! <laughs> When he was a part of it, too. So, yeah, basically, Muhammad ratted Bob out, which, like, is good that he ratted him out, but he made himself look good, even though he was doing the exact same thing to his wife as Bob was doing to his. Oh, and knowing that his wife is probably going to call his wife. and Exactly. Because you know, I'm going to tell you something. Girls talk, okay? Like, yes, they do. 
And you are completely right because <laughs> they're sisters and like best friends. So of course, Zaray told Nazarin about Bob cheating and going out of town with these sex workers. Like, how would she not tell him or tell her? And, you know, they already had a very shaky marriage at this point as it was, but this really began the down spiral for them as a couple. Yeah, so this is what did it? This this is what <laughs> drove it to, uh, to close to the breaking point. He was lucky that it took her this long. I know. Well, they... Now, Nazarin, you know, she was, like, a pretty private person, and she didn't, like, air her dirty laundry out into the world. She didn't want a lot of people to, you know, know. So nobody really besides her, like, close family knew what was going on inside of her relationship. However, she did end up opening up to a co-worker of hers about her marriage and how she felt Bob was not providing at all for her family or her as a traditional Muslim man would typically do. Um, And not only did Bob have a really hard relationship with his wife at this time, but he and his daughter, Nona, were really going through it as well. A neighbor of theirs said that he would refer to Bob as packing heat Bob because Bob told him that he carried a gun on him all the time because he was having issues with his daughter's boyfriend. Which, like, I'm guessing he was joking, you know, to the neighbor saying that, but who knows. Um, and Nona wasn't even having boy issues. The problem was that Bob wanted Nona to date only Muslim guys, but she was dating a non-Muslim at the time. So that was, like, his issue was because this guy wasn't Muslim. Um, And this caused Nona to resent her father, and it it really just caused a major strain on their relationship because this just was this ongoing battle between them. By August 2010, he became even more strict, like a crazy amount too, with the entire family. Um, So at this point, Bob was pretty much the enemy to his whole family because the kids really only felt close and comfortable with their mom because of the way that Bob was acting. Some things Bob was doing during this time um, that they kind of like felt like he was just being really strict. He would take Nona's phone and check her text messages. Now keep in mind, she was 19 at this point so she was an adult she was working making her own money saving to go to college so i feel like 19's kind of a little bit old to be going through and like checking her phone when she's paying for her own stuff he also wouldn't allow her to date at this point he felt like she was at until he felt like she was at an appropriate age which again she's 19. Yeah, after 18, they're an adult, they're on their own, like, I mean, you can give them advice and stuff, but they're an adult, they can, you know, there's not much you can do. Yeah, like, to be that controlling at that age is just, it's not going to end well for their relationship. Um, Also, he, like I had mentioned before, he only wanted her to see boys within their race and religion. Now, you know, those are pretty, they're not like super crazy things, but one thing that Bob did was he also nailed her bedroom window shut to prevent her from even sneaking out. Now, I don't think that she had ever snuck out before or like talked about sneaking out, but he was so paranoid and like controlling that he literally nailed her window shut. This adult, this adult woman. (laughs) He mailed her window shut. He also installed cameras inside of the entire house to basically just keep an eye on all of the family members. So he's just very, very controlling. He would pick her up from work every single day because he just didn't want there to be a chance for any boys to be able to drive her home. You know, he was just on constant watch of her. Nona obviously could not wait to leave and start her own life, Um, and Nazarin was also basically completely fed up at this point with Bob, and in March 2011, she finally decided to separate from him um, just because of, you know, how toxic 
the situation had become and just how intensely controlling he was. A month after they separated, Nazarin's brother Ali, um, the one who's the doctor in London, he sent Nazarin some money so that her and the kids were able to move out into another place away from Bob. So they found this two-story apartment in the Lincoln Vineyards complex, and that was about two miles away from their home that they had with Bob. The bedroom window, it overlooked Ali's current school, uh, Colleyville Heritage High. They were also now in the city of Grapevine, which is, uh, it's considered the Christmas capital of Texas. Um, and it is also known for their wine tasting. So side note, we got to add that on our travel list. <laughs> <laughs> so they were living in this apartment and Bob was now alone in this house. He had no furniture, no electricity, no running water. And no family. Nazarin mentioned to her apartment manager that she was afraid of Bob. However, he did have a key, and he would come by often to visit their son. And Bob started at this point to avoid any social, social situations. I think he was just, like, ashamed where his life was at and his marriage at this point. Um, just didn't want to face people and, like, the community knowing that this was where his life was. Uh, but, you know, Nazrin and the kids, they would still go out often and they would go socialize or go to different events. Bob has also told a friend at this point that he bought a gun for protection because he believed that his daughter's boyfriend was stalking him. Now, there was no evidence of his daughter's boyfriend stalking him. There was no, there was like nothing going on that would honestly be truthful to this, but he was like going around telling people this for some reason. Um, another friend of Bob's named Mark says that he spoke to Bob just before Christmas and, you know, just had like a casual conversation asking Bob, like, you know, what are your holiday plans? And Bob said that he planned on attending the Christmas Eve party that was being thrown at the dude ranch that they have every year. But Bob really didn't uh, think too much about it, I guess. You know, since he and Nazarin are separated, he really wasn't invited to the party this year. So it was kind of a big shock for him when he was informed that he would not be welcomed to the Christmas Eve party. And I think this kind of sent Bob into like, a spiral downward he like feeling ashamed sad alone and just angry you know he no longer had control of his family he saw them thriving living life without him he was broke jobless and he just was really not in a good place and you know part of me feels sad for him because how low he had to have felt at this point you know, everybody that he loved had turned against him and he really had nothing going for him, like at all. But he's also the one who made the decisions that kind of led him to where he was at today. You know, if he really took a step back and like thought about the like events that happened, then he should have realized, okay, I'm probably the problem here. I need to, like, change some of my ways if I want to, like, get with my family again. But that would be the mature and respectful thing to do. Yeah, and <laughs> with our stories, guys, there's not a lot of mature, respectful <laughs> decisions that get made. <laughs> Sadly. So, on Sunday, December 25th, 2011... Nazarin, Nona, and Ali were waiting for Nazarin's sister's family to come over to the apartment to spend Christmas morning together. The night before was the party that they spent at the ranch, and they were out pretty late, so they were just having a late start to the morning. On this Christmas day, Bob was by himself. He was not celebrating Christmas, but he was plotting an ambush. He drove over to the apartment 
and he brought two handguns with him. A Smith & Wesson 9mm that he had purchased in 96 and a Glock 40mm. When he got there, the family was, needless to say, surprised to see him because not only was he not in like a good place with them in their relationship at all, but he just also was not flat out invited to their apartment. So they were like, okay, hi, um, don't know what you're doing here. So not only was his attendance shocking and weird, but he was also dressed up as Santa Claus. Oh, okay. Yeah, like complete suit, like full on Santa Claus suit. Um, so they were all very shocked and kind of just weirded out by the situation. Um, and even though they felt uncomfortable and this was out of the blue, you know, there was no forced entry. He just knocked on the door and the family decided to let Bob inside, probably because they just felt like it would be easier to let him inside and like, instead of like causing an argument or feeling extra uncomfortable. So when Zaray's family arrived, uh, their daughter sent a text to a friend. Uh, she sarcastically said, so we're here, we just got here, and my uncle is here too, dot dot dot, dressed as Santa, dot dot, awesome. <laughs> the vibe was just very off and awkward because clearly no one wanted him there and it was just very uncomfortable for everyone. Nazrin calls her brother in London on the phone um, just to pass it around to everybody to wish him a Merry Christmas from everyone. But Bob was the only one who was not given a turn to talk on the phone with Ali. Um, so this just kind of made things very tense. I think it angered him, you know, it, it was really awkward between everyone, but especially the two couples. Uh, it's easy to assume that there was some sort of confrontation that broke out and words were said and feelings were said, you know, it got, it's safe to assume it got pretty heated. Now, they were sitting around the Christmas tree, opening gifts. Bob decides to suddenly take out the guns, and he went to each family member around the room, shooting and killing them. Mohammed was shot four times in the head, chest, and stomach. Everyone else uh, got shot from multiple gunshot wounds. Bob then took the Smith & Wesson across the room and planted it in Mohammed's right hand after Mohammed had already died. Uh, he, it seemed like he wanted it to look like Mohammed was the shooter. Bob then turned the gun on himself and shot himself in the head. At 11.36 a.m., police received a 911 call from a landline inside the home, um, and, and the operator just kind of heard inaudible silence, but when investigators later listened more closely, they heard a voice like softly yelling, help, help, and the caller whispers, I'm shooting people. No neighbors heard gunshots, which is kind of odd, but also there weren't a lot of people there at the time. It was Christmas. People were kind of out, you know, at other places at this time. Um, no one answered at the door when they knocked. So police looked through the window and they were just horrified at the scene that they saw. They broke down the door and seven dead bodies were laying around the apartment surrounded by you know, what would just look like a typical Christmas Day scene. They were sitting around the tree and there were presents and it just looked like a normal scene aside from obviously all the bodies that laid there lifeless. And Bob's body had a gun in his right hand and the phone laying right near him. So he was the caller that called them. Ugh. So, yeah, definitely really just so sad and unnecessary turn of events for this Christmas. Um, and they knew, by the way, because he planted the gun in Mohammed's hand, trying to make it seem like he did it. But from the way that he was shot, they could tell that, you know, obviously um, Bob 
killed himself and then everybody else was inflicted by somebody else shooting them. So it was pretty obvious for uh, investigators to tell what happened here. You know, I've been listening to you tell this story, and it's a different holiday, and it's a different person, but you know what it really reminds me of? The one... Paul... Paul... Mer... Mer... Hem... Hermage or something? Merhig? Merhig? Yes. I forgot how we pronounced it now because it's been a minute. Yes, it was Paul last year's Michael. Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Um, he showed up at a party that he wasn't invited to, but they graciously let him in. But that one was really horrible because we had to report that he even went up and killed the innocent little children while they slept, and that hurt my heart. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they he took out, like... The whole family. Sick. Yeah. It's so it's so messed up. That was our last year's uh, Thanksgiving episode. Go check it out if you haven't listened to it, guys. But yeah, just um, really unfortunate, sad ending. Especially, everything could have been so different. You know, all these kids too. They were. They had bright futures ahead of them, and they were, like, trying to, like, be successful in life. All because he couldn't, all because Bob couldn't take ownership of his decisions and his actions. And he felt like he was just, everyone was against him. So it's just unfortunate that he couldn't take responsibility and try to, like, better himself instead of, you know, obviously the worst case scenario. Yeah, it's, it's really sad that people... Obviously, he had some mental health issues, Mm -hmm. clearly, Um, but that he couldn't have just left, done his thing, they weren't together, like, let her go, you know, you had her, and you treated her badly when you had her, so that's on you, my dude. Yep. Don't know what he expects. But yeah, really... A sad Christmas story for you guys. Um, we are going to keep it Christmas, but before we go back to our Christmas, because we have our horror movie segment, dun dun dun. <laughs> still, still working on the the theme. Yeah, like, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I was waiting for my daughter today to come out of tutor session and while I was in the parking lot I just happened to look on you know my snapchat news and uh, I couldn't believe what I was reading and a lady from Michigan it was in I want to say it was like uh, Beale City Um, but her daughter and friends were getting cyberbullied, and her daughter's boyfriend was getting it. And after doing an amount of investigation and combing through it, it comes to find out that it was actually the mom to one of the girls. Um, and I just can't, like wrap my head around why you would cyber bully your daughter and her friends and her boyfriend. Um, Clearly she has some (laughs) mental issues going on too. Because to do that to like a kid in general, but then let alone your own daughter, is just mind-boggling. Yeah, it said that it was being... um, They were receiving thousands of texts of threatening messages... um, and it estimated that sometimes a teen received up to 12 messages a day. Um, it wasn't until the FBI agent got involved and started tracking the IP address. And it was just shocked and sh- for them to see that, like, dude, it's, like, coming from the girl's home address. <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, so they traced all the messages back to the girl's mom. Uh, now she is the prime suspect in the case and, um, they reported it. Um, she 
allegedly used special software called Cloaker to hide her identity so she could send these messages without being caught. She used several different phone numbers, different area codes. She even tried to make it look like that one of her daughter's classmates was the source. So now she's pinning it on other people. Um, One of the prosecutors said that the FBI compiled 349 pages worth of messages um, that had been sent um, to her daughter and the young boy, I'm guessing, who she was dating. Um, saying that tens of thousands of them were threatening texts received in all. Um, She must have spent like an unfathom amount of time on this. Like um, it was just very malicious. She was arrested and charged with two counts of stalking a minor, two counts of using a computer to commit a crime, a single count of obstruction of justice for the cover-up. Now, everybody that's listening to this probably like WTF. Yeah. And my big thing was like, why? Why would you do this to your daughter? Because my daughter's not, well, she was bullied. I guess some of it was cyber bullied. And my heart ached for her that she was going through this. I couldn't imagine being the one causing it and doing it to her. Um, And apparently... Um, she confessed to everything, um, but she will not give up her motive of why. She just sits there being very just cold and chilling, and hopefully her daughter can get some answers that the police couldn't get. Um, the mother was released on a $5,000 bond last week and due back in court on December 29th to see if there's enough evidence to proceed with a trial. She could be facing some heavy jail time if convicted. Using a computer to commit a crime could get her 10-year sentence alone. And then the other two charges could rack up to five years apiece. Wow. You know, I bet she didn't give a reason because there's no good enough reason. You know what I mean? Like, it was probably the stupidest reason ever, and she knows that. Um, I'm probably, like, um, a bipolar bitch and totally jealous of my daughter of something and... Uh, must be drugs and alcohol. I don't know. But so, yeah, something's not right there because to to do that to your own kid is just foul. Yes. I, when I read that, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I could not imagine doing that to my child. Yeah. That's sick. Ugh. So before we wrap it up for the night, because I know it's getting late. Well, not for you guys, but for us. Because <laughs> we crammed it all in tonight. Okay, we went from watching a movie to helping my daughter get her dance routine done for a dance class, which is a grade, and to recording, to we both got, I don't know, these jobs we got to do tomorrow, apparently. <laughs> Believe it or not, people, this is not our full-time job yet. So keep listening so it can be. <laughs> and if you tell someone to tell somebody to tell someone sooner or later, Dex has got to hear us. Okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I had seen it before, but I brought my husband and son and Kay down the Krampus roller coaster yeah, ride. Yeah. I feel like that that's a fitting word, roller coaster. Um I'm not sure the husband was that impressed by it. I'm getting that he was like, what the hell are we watching? <laughs> like, um, I think we started to lose him right around the Christmas cookies attacking. That was a very shocking part. That's I, kind of like one of my favorite parts. I, like, I, it made me laugh. Like, it surprised me and made me laugh at the same time. I kind of liked, like, I had no idea what to expect from this movie. Um... But I kind of liked that it was like, I don't know, it was like horror, but also funny. Like, they made fun of a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what he was saying. Like, it started off to be horror, and then at this point it's like, what ridiculous thing can we do to, like... It had, like, it definitely had that uh, shock factor, because you're like, wait, <laughs> what a, what's going on right now? <laughs> I'm sorry, my favorite part is, like, the gingerbread cookie slow-mo on fire, and he's like, Grr, and then all of a sudden the dog, and he's like, 
Good girl, Rosie. <laughs> the dog just eats the gingerbread cookie. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, definitely interesting. I guess, what, there's like three of them, right? I didn't see, sorry, I don't mean to yawn. <laughs> I didn't see the other ones yet. Um, but, I mean, we can check them out. Um, it was a good movie. The I mean, it's a weird kind of concept, I guess. Yeah, definitely different for sure. Um, the uncle, I've seen him in other stuff, and he's kind of funny. And I've actually heard him ding, ding, ding on Dax Shepherds. I'm pretty sure he interviewed he him. He was on the on the pod. Almost for, for sure that he was. Um, and he seems like like a real funny person, like in real life. Um, but I like at the end, he was just like. I just got attacked by some goddamn cookie. Yes. Now I don't know. I don't know if I'm wrong, or if I'm. If he just gives me those same vibes, he's not. He's not uncle. He's not Uncle Eddie. No, it was funny though because you must not have heard me say it. But when you we were sitting there and he stared, I said, "Oh, there's your uncle, there's your cousin Eddie." Like, oh, wait, okay, no. So, but he for sure gave off those vibes. Oh yeah, as soon as he yeah. walked through the door, I looked at him. I was like, "Oh." Because we watch Christmas Vacation every year, um, and Pat likes Cousin Eddie. Yeah. He was actually him for Halloween one year. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's where I was like, oh, there you go. Definitely gave off same character vibes, (laughs) for sure. Like, kind of the concept was, like, not the concept, but, like, the fact that it was at, like, this family's house, and they lived in, like, a nice house, but then, you know, her sister and her family came in and they were a little bit you know they lived in like a trailer and they were a little bit more rough around the edges yeah and you got adam scott as the Mm -hmm. dad so and he usually plays the nice dressed preppy businessy man so you got to picture him versus a character that's like the redneck like you said Cousin Eddie or, you know, Jeff Foxworthy crew type yes. guy coming in. So you kind of got, it's like. Polar it opposites. Yes, it's like Wall Street versus r- redneck, you know, hunt them and shoot them and take them down and gut the squirrel and eat it. <laughs> 100%, exactly. And people do eat squirrels, not going to lie. They do, they definitely do. They <laughs> live with a couple people. My favorite character in the whole movie was the their dog. I loved their dog. Dog was cute. I a little, liked a little bulldog. I liked grandma. Yeah. And that lady from uh, Two and a Half Men. I don't know her name. Oh, she's in all of those type. She was in uh, my scene with her was when she was in the Adam Sandler movie with Renona Ryder. It was Mr. Deeds. Oh yes. And they were fighting in the dining room. Yes. And, like, she's, like, kick, like cooter kicking her. <laughs> she's like, you got to kick a lot harder than that, babe. <laughs> like, she always also, like, you. I think you said this when we were watching it. She plays, like, very similar characters mm-hmm. in, like, everything she does. She just plays that tough, strong, like, mm-hmm. may you rest in peace. Because I think she passed away recently. Oh, did she? I think so. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Well, she was amazing in it. I like when she was, like... She's like, all right, kids, I'll teach you how to make a peppermint schnapps. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty I good. I don't like kids. Even when I was a kid, I didn't like kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you still have time and you want a, you know, another horror Christmas movie to watch, it's not too late. We found it on Peacock. Yep. Pretty good. Pretty good. I liked it. The ending confused me uh, slightly, but... I think I maybe get it now. You can let us know if we need to continue on with the series or just stop dead in our tracks. Yeah, (laughs) right, exactly. Let us know if it gets better. (laughs) And if you're local, um, I don't know if they use the same characters, but me and Kay and the fam went um, two years ago to Rotten Manor in Holly and... uh, it was a lot of the Krampus characters walking around in costume. So they did a haunted Christmas haunted house, and it was based on Krampus. So feel free to check that out if it's still... I mean, I know they still do it. I don't know if it's the same characters every year, but probably. Yeah. Um, 
it was, I'm definitely glad I watched it because I've heard it, I've heard about it since it came out, but I just have never seen the movie. So I'm glad, I'm glad we got to watch it and I was able to actually enjoy the, the Krampus spirit. <laughs> you know, I always have one fun freaked up movie to show her. Oh yeah. I always have the... She's got a list. <laughs> from Freeway to California, like... I love them. I love them all. <laughs> and I'm not done with her yet. Hey, keep them coming. I enjoy it. <laughs> I do. We do have to have you watch. It's not a horror movie, people. I'm sorry. We do have soft sides, too. But it is a true story. Okay. All right. And it's crime. I'm listening. I'm... My KK has never seen Aaron Brockovich. Oh, so yeah, no. And I need, love Julia Roberts. She needs to sit down and watch that. So after the holidays, that might be our Saturday Lazy movie. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I had never even heard of that movie, so I'm I'm excited. Because anything, Ju- I love anything Julia Roberts. I know. Yeah. I know. Not she, does, she can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> and we just found out that she dated matthew perry for a while i just listened to his book mind blown so but we'll get into that that maybe the next episode because i know it's getting late yeah but we'll have to hear it you'll have to tell us your review on his on his book so stay tuned and i'll tell you my thoughts on the matthew perry biography yes so sounds like a lot of craziness so i'm excited for you to for you to share absolutely all right. Well, I think that's all we have to cover for tonight. Yes. Um, Merry Christmas, guys. Happy New Year whenever you're freaking listening to this. Um, thanks for taking the time and spending spending it with us. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> We're going to end it on that. Bye. Bye.